Hey, Paul, how's it going today? Good, Marcello. How are you? Uh, not bad. Getting used to the work from home life that we're now going into week three or four, something like that. I forget the days now. Week four. <laughs> yeah, I am week four, yeah. All kind of blending together now. Um, yeah, so thanks so much for uh, putting some time aside to chat with me today. I thought that you would be a really good person to talk to. Before I give too much away, I'll just ask you to do a quick introduction of yourself, a little bit about your background, who you are, and the company that you work for and lead, basically. Great. Uh, I'm Paul Lockhart. I'm the president and CEO of Color. Color is, a, we call it a creative digital agency. And um, we have, uh, you know, we've been around, well, Color had a previous name, but we, our agency has been around for 42 years and Color in its current incarnation has been around 15 years. Wow. And, uh, you know, we're a very digitally forward uh, agency that helps clients with media and with content, really. Yeah, so you guys must see some pretty big changes with your clients and, you know, with yourselves as well being in the digital space. Like, what are you, what are you kind of seeing out there right now? What challenges are people facing? Um, well, I mean, you're right. What we're all facing is this uh, planning and uncertainty, which is, you know, I say the really, really, you know, and not notwithstanding the uh, health side is terrible, but the really interesting thing from a business side is that every business is doing planning right now. Everyone, this never happened before and unlikely will ever happen again. And the planning can be, hey, I'm tossing the keys. I'm a, I'm a two-person restaurateur. I'm done to... I'm a, um, a lot of the pharma companies are like, well, we're just going to not say anything until we figure out what our role is uh, and what we're going to say, because we're both a business and we're tied to the health side. So in that sense, there's this whole range of planning that's going on. And that's an opportunity. And I think as an agency partner, that's always your job. You know, I said, there's two things an agency needs to do that the, the foundation is one is know my business. And the second is lead me. And yeah. this is a time to help lead, which is, Bring me ideas, bring me thinking that will help me because I'm really close to my business. So we're seeing that, you know, clients are as uncertain as us and very appreciative that we're thinking about their business. And so we created a bit of a framework to have that discussion and help them talk through that. Whether they choose to do some or more work with us, which some have, or others who are like, hey, thanks very much. Uh, that will help us do what we need to do on our own. Oh, that's a great idea. Do you kind of lead your clients through that framework or are you kind of kicking it over and saying like, Hey, listen, we developed this to kind of think through some of the problems that you're facing. And uh, if you want to continue to talking about those challenges, then we're all ears. Yeah. Well, what we've done is we've reached out to all of our clients and said, you know, you know, it's one, Hey, how are you doing? Hope you're okay. And then the second part is we've been thinking about your business. We have a framework and we'd like to walk you through it if you have some time. Yeah, And I would say that, you know, probably, I'm going to say half have taken us up on the offer to have the discussion. Some say, I got to stop doing everything. Or the others are saying, I'm so busy, I couldn't hold another thought in my head. Thank you very much. Maybe we'll talk later. And um, it's really, it, it's actually worked out really well. I, uh, the, the feedback has been very positive. And then the, on the other side, too, uh, you know, speaking with other, like, uh, I'll say marketing agency partners like yourself and others just saying, just, I've been sharing it with people I know saying, look, here's a framework. Like we don't work on your clients, but if it helps, why don't you take it and you, you use it? And I've had a couple of people go, oh, wow, this is really helpful. I've got like four ideas for my client right now. I'm like, great. And that to me, all this stills back to where I came to today. I was speaking with um, 
a friend of ours, Bruce Simpson, this morning. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about stuff and we talk every so often. And, and you know, we were, we were both looking at the situation and saying, you know, there's two parts. One is the health side and one is the business side. On the health right. side, um, those of us that aren't in healthcare, we're doing everything we can by distancing ourselves. And we've decided that what we're going to say is we're not using social distancing as a word anymore. We're going to use it as just um, physical distancing because we need social connection more than ever. So social distancing is not what we're talking about. And on the other side, too, is this um, taking the bunker, hunker down mentality, which is I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to just see what happens. And I'm not that way. I, I just said, look, I changed my mindset. I'm not changed my mindset. I'm actually trying to proliferate my mindset, which is instead of like, there's a good flat in the curve, what I want to do is I want to talk about let's pick up the curve. Let's pick up the business curve that's gone down. Because the way we're going to get through is everybody grabbing a hold of this rope and everybody helping each other and let's push it back up and let's do what we can. We're not going to get it up to where it was, but let's, let's help each other. And so that's, uh, so that's kind of what I'm seeing and so the, the, how it relates to our clients. When we've reached out and said, hey, we want to pick up the curve, we weren't calling it that, but we are now, is let's help each other. And uh, so that's what's happening and we're getting some good, uh, some good feedback. That's great. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's kind of, I mean, related to why I, I wanted to chat with you and why um, I wanted to start this series as well is just to have conversations like that. And uh, I think uh, this will also help people to hear how other people are dealing with challenges and strategically planning for the future. And collectively, we can kind of get everyone together through video and audio and start brainstorming some ideas. So yeah, you said like everyone- barn raising. That's a good point. It's like, let's help each other. You got hammers, you got nails, I got strong arms, you got food to feed everybody. Like, that's how we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. So you, you said that a lot of organizations are have kind of gone into planning mode. Do you feel like a lot of that is reactive? Like, are there a lot of challenges that organizations are kind of reacting to? Or do you think that a lot of that planning is forecasting and trying to figure out what the new normal is after all of this? Well, I think it's both. Um, and I think probably now as we enter week four, I think most people are not finished, but they're finished the first heavy iteration of reacting in the moment, like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And, I, and, and as a business, you're thinking, again, some may have gotten to, like I said, to the point, which is, you know, let's just pack it in. I'm not saying big companies, but I'm just saying businesses. Like, this is yeah. causing every business to look at their business. And, and again, I can't say for everyone in terms of what they're thinking, but what we found is providing a framework. And maybe if I just share what that is, like, yeah, uh, sure, that'd be great. they found it helpful. So we talk about it as two pillars and three lenses. The two pillars are um, business strategy pillars. So uh, a pillar in an organization could be um, supply chain. Like we know when we look at our business and think, oh, we got to fix our supply chain. That's a, that's a pillar. There's lots of pillars. It could be um, financing. Do we have enough financing that that's core of our business? It could be hiring, retaining good people. Those things are all important. There's mm-hmm. lots of key pillars, and we all kind of adjust them as the market dictates. Right now, our observation, and again, we're not standing and saying this is the only thing, but this is our distillation to try and get our arms around it. So we think there are two pillars that stand out. One is, um, you can say digital transformation, and for some, it's digital acceleration. Yeah. And the other is corporate social responsibility. In the digital transformation or acceleration, that's probably, well, they're both strong, but that's where um, if you weren't a business that had a strong digital ability, capability, this is forcing you to do it because in terms of planning, you probably were doing some planning around 
you know, your digital uh, capabilities. Now you're forced into it, could be good or bad. So on one end, you have someone like, uh, like Costco, who's probably wishing they had uh, a more fulsome e-commerce offering right now. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, because the thing that's really moving is more perishables and that kind of stuff, which they don't have. But, you know, Loblaws is tripling, quadrupling down on. That's one example. Another is like in the same ilk, we have, uh, we have a natural supplements client and they're literally having daily record sales from their digital sales on Amazon. And they just launched their Shopify site. And they're just like, it's just going like crazy. Having said that, they are not prepared for that as a core part of their business. So now we're in the mode of helping them accelerate that. Mm -hmm. So that's, those are examples of how that's happening. And oh, I could go through, I could go in financial services. There are more conversations like, oh, our salespeople now can't meet or our advisors can't meet people face to face over the kitchen table. They're doing it uh, digitally. Oh, um, does it make sense to send something in the mail right now versus, oh, we should be able to access that digitally. So those plans are accelerating. And, and then there's the whole, there's the workflow process. There's a, you know, how you communicate that. Cause now you have journeys that you have to build out that are more detail oriented. And anyway, things that I know, you know, Marcello, but those, those are the kinds of things. So I think people find that helpful, not just to point out that that's, Oh, you're right. Yeah, that is an issue. And it's like, well, we can help you think through that. Um, we, with our experience and our partners, like partners uh, that we have in different agencies, we can bring pieces of the puzzle. And they're mm -hmm. very, very uh, grateful for that. Yeah. On the corporate social responsibility side, you know, I say to anyone, if you stood for something before, like you thought you did, this should be the time to stand up right now. And again, that's figuring out what you have permission to say, and we'll get into that in the lenses. But if you stood for something, like this would be the time to show that that's what you stand for. Mm -hmm. So in the travel space was talking with uh, another company and their clients are destination marketing organizations. So a, a DMO is um, the city of Toronto, the city of New York, the Okanagan. Those are destination marketing organizations. Well, they've been hit really, really hard. A few of them are deciding that they actually want to step up. And so they've said, this is going to be a time for us to be really uh, ready when things come back to transform our business. And one of the things we talked to them about was, you know, if you were, I'm going to say you are uh, the group that promotes Toronto as a destination, you've always been promoting what's great about Toronto because you're getting people to want to come here and visit. You still have that role. You still have that right to say, hey, there are actually stories about Toronto, our resilience and what we're doing as a, as a city. You could actually lead that. And they yeah. were like, my goodness, you're right. Like, and I'd say, think about social responsibility side is actually to stand up and say, we were always about promoting what, what's good about us. Now why don't we show what's really good, which is the heart of the people and our resilience. Cause mm -hmm. it's not a, that's what people care about. And they were like, wow, that's really helpful. Thank you very much. So those are, uh, there are other examples, but those are a couple of examples that, that we've experienced so far. Yeah, that's really cool. So those are the two pillars. And then what are the lenses? How do the lenses kind of... So the lenses are more about uh, when you go to communicate, we just talked about what you have really permission to, to say. And again, we're not saying that ours are the only, is the only way to look at it, but we've broken it into three lenses. On the one end, um, the one lens we're calling escapism. 
which is, do you have permission to help people just lighten the mood, um, you know, get away from things? It could be having fun with kids or it could be just, you know, entertainment, whatever it is. That's one lens. The middle lens we would call wellness, which is mental wellness and physical wellness. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have permission to speak there? And on the other one, and this is very broad, and so is the middle one. Uh, this one's very broad, which we just basically call um, functional benefits of your service or product. Like, how good a job are you doing letting people know that I can actually still get my break work done at the break and muffler shop? Like, do I even know when you're open? Like, that you have permission to talk in that area. Can I uh, access my benefits plan when it was all done via um, fax or whatever? Like, what are, what are we doing now? Yeah. So it's thinking about what of those lenses do you have permission and would be best for you to speak about? And you can kind of see pretty quickly that it, it gives people a framework to start thinking about it. And our job is to work with them and say, look, you have some ideas. We have some ideas. This is a way to frame it so that it doesn't feel, when we go back to our original part of our conversation, that everything is upside down. It's like, yeah, it is. But somehow when things get turned upside down, we figure out a way to gradually turn things back around so it's more stable. And we hope that we can, if we can help them do it, whether they can help themselves or whether we talk to another an agency partner or someone else who can help someone else, then again, grab the curve and let's try and uh, let's try and raise it up. Yeah, that's great. I think that framework is uh, really useful for helping to kind of decide how and when and what you're going to communicate during this time. Cause it's definitely, uh, I think people are starting to ease in, ease into it a bit more now and understand and have a bit of strategy around how and where they're communicating, but it's definitely still, fairly uncharted waters <laughs> well and i'd say too is that the um the window that you have it isn't like a two-week window think of it as people have you know i'm gonna say three to four months like it's the old is the glass half full or half empty and again it's half full if you have the appetite and the and you're capitalized well enough to do it i'd say yeah. you, know, you should then act now uh, you will never have a better time like digital adoption the if you if you took it across, whether it's, you know, access to information. If you look at just the volume of in- increase of people online, what they're just consuming, like it's, it's beyond anything we've ever seen. Uh, e-commerce, ordering groceries, like paying, grandmas are paying bills on, uh, online that they've never done before. You will never have a time where adoption is so high. So the, on the other side of that, the expectation is going to be high coming out. So what are you doing now? so that you are ready uh, on the other side. So yeah, that's great. That's a, that's a really good point. And I think even for like internal employee applications and systems, like exactly you're never going to get the same adoption response as the scenario we're in right now. So even deploying anything strategic that's supposed to help with efficiency, that's web-based or application-based or whatever, it's like now is the time to start experimenting with that stuff for sure. Well, and then as you guys specialize in that customer experience, that's the, that, that is the, that's the most challenging part because what we're talking about is we're changing their experience, right? They were, it was more analog, a little bit digital. Now you're forced, you're literally pushed from behind into, boom, it's pretty much all digital. Yeah. And it's like, well, am I going to get that experience wrong? I'd say, you know, and I don't want to pick on anyone, but you know, Canadian Tire is having a tough time right now. I'm not sure if you're following it, but they... They have um, struggled for a while to to get uh, uh, what I think would be they're balancing two things, which is how do I 
support uh, a physical retail environment with uh, independent business owners. We don't control the whole chain. And then how do I introduce an e-commerce uh, approach that meets consumers' needs? And they're just having challenges right now because when the pressure is on the system, it looks a little broken. It's not completely broken, but my guess is that they're probably, you know, maybe having even a more receptive ear from their uh, dealers that own the franchisees to say, this is what we've been talking about. We've been kind of stuck. Maybe we could, maybe this situation allows us to move a little faster and a little more cohesively. That's, uh, again, yeah. that's an outside observation. I don't have any inside information that says that's the case. I mean, that's, I, I feel like a lot of those organizations are, um, it, it's definitely a bit of a challenging time because even though you're forced into the kind of new digital space uh, and adoption is high, it's also so challenging to move and, and change something that big. But then you also have the urgency of, well, we have to do it as quickly as possible because now's the time. So I, I, I totally see how those organizations of that size, I should say, are uh, probably feeling the heat of it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so when you say is planning going on, is it for the current moment or is it for the future? Like, I use them as an example. It would be both, which is yeah. we need to, with what we have, we need to figure out how to make it more seamless for the customer. And then we actually need to think about how we're going to be better in four or five months when you know everyone just expects us to have more a better, I mean, it's in, this, in their case, a, an e-commerce solution, but it, it probably relates to training uh, and, oh, and yeah. inside this, like everything. Like that, it's a whole... And customer expectations or audience expectations are high because there's so many good, well-designed, thoughtful applications out there. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because you have to do it. But also, is there enough time to put in all the strategy behind the actual user experience? And are you building something that you can actually, if you're not spending that time now, then you can start to scale it up as you start to get a little bit more time to say, okay, now we can be a bit more strategic instead of just reacting, basically. Yeah. And, you know, working with, uh, you know, companies like you guys and others, like, and we all have, so I say, we all have part of the answer. Mm -hmm. And I think the answer for clients is you don't have to eat the turkey all at once, but let's just break it into phases, right? Like, like you're right. Yes. I wish I was, I wish it wasn't this way right now. Or I wish I was totally prepared. Well, you're not, but it doesn't mean that it's the end of the earth. Let's yeah. figure out phase one, phase two, phase three, the most important things first. And some of that is going to be in the digital space, to your point, if you can't do all the thinking and planning, it's really hard to actually do the development the way that you would like it to. You just stop. It's like, well, how could we uh, improve what we're doing? And that's usually going to be same tools and equipment, just the process maybe a little bit more refined. And oh. then you take that and you think it's like releasing software. Well, what will the next iteration be? Let's get that done. And what will the next iteration be? And you have to look at it as in 12 months, 18 months, I'm probably where I wanted to be. And the truth is, if you actually take this time, it probably would have taken you five years to get there and you'll do it in a year and a half. Yeah, totally. And that approach of um, iterating and versioning releases, um, I mean, it's you're going to have something more accurate in the, in the long run anyways, instead of just kind of like yep. deploying something a year from now and letting the market change the way it does and deploying something that maybe is not even relevant anymore. Um, super interesting. How do you, like speaking of the future? Obviously, I mean, I would assume maybe it's not obvious, but I would assume that a lot of tools and use cases like the ones we're talking about are, you know, should become permanent. So there'll probably be a big adoption in e-commerce. Um, I would assume uh, in the future. 
What are some other areas that you think are going to kind of change and be the new normal outside of kind of the e-commerce space? Uh, E-learning. Yeah. Like that is, um, again, we're seeing it, like even in digital transformation, they were uh, people that are, let's say, working from home who were working in a bank, right, in a tower or uh, wherever it is. And then Mm -hmm. they go home and now I've got to get them set up and now, and it's like, well, we have these tools. Like, well, just that is a simple example. Those people needed training just to get that set up. Yeah. Then if you think about the customer experience changing, well, how do we now uh, equip our people with the skills to understand that journey as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, well, sorry, ma'am, I don't really understand what you're saying here or how that works. You're like, holy cow. Like, so there's, so the e-learning, and even you think of schooling, whether yeah. it's post-secondary education, like anyone who was doing training. Now, you know, if you're going to be a pipe fitter, you can only, or an electrician, you can only do so much book learning, right? And eventually you have to actually do it. But there's going to be that combination. So my guess is that that, um, and especially employee training, I think is going to be a big, uh, it's a big area in terms of, I'm not sure, it, it is technolo- technologically enabled for sure, because this whole distancing thing has caused us to realize, well, what things can you do effectively distancing at a distance? The other, one other thing I've noticed is in um, events. So you probably, you know, whether it was the Adobe, Adobe summit or whatever, the things are getting moved online and you know, it's not that bad. Like it's, uh, it gets, it's definitely a different way. Um, I'm not sure that, you know, entertainment will, change i mean it's it's interesting but certainly those conferences um if you take the fact that people have learned that i can actually benefit by doing it from distance uh it could save me money and i also if you have added a still probably a residual fear factor in traveling like do i want to go to that conference in wherever um those things are probably going to drive us to figure out how to do events uh differently and still have some engagement there will we still need to get together as people yeah, um, I just think that there will be a hybrid that will come out of this. It's been interesting to, to me to see this shift in online festivals and events and concerts. And um, it's a super interesting uh, experiment. I wonder whether that is going to be something that uh, continues to be an option for people. I've heard some really interesting discussions about, you know, partnerships and maybe, extending like uber for instance extending a white label service to festivals so you can have a curated experience at home there's been some really cool uh, experiments going on in in that industry i agree like i you know i think it's analogous to ebooks right when when ebooks came out they're like oh there's gonna be no paperback books there's no no printed books anymore and i'm like for a while it looked like that and then Mm -hmm. it reaches its level there's this digital humanity there's a combination of you know it's like the borg i don't know if anyone follows uh, star trek but it's kind of part human part machine right and that's digital humanity is that it's it's, it was even it's even a discussion in ai right now is ai going to take over it's like well this is this is the the first step of that which is this combination of and i think you know you mentioned it it can be in music there will be a hybrid model some will be maybe uh, some things i'm not saying entertainment but some things might be 80% digital and 20% human contact or whatever other things like maybe music would be 20% digital and 80% live whereas before it was 99% live and 1% digital i mean the event thing not yeah. not sharing music in that like 
but the live event part of it, like I'm sure there's a, it makes you think like what could be done. And, you know, the truth too, in that area, in terms of entertainment, we were talking about this as a group the other day, when you shrink the canvas, it actually creates creativity. Like Mm -hmm. when you say, uh, you've just got to do this. If you talk to a chef or a painter or a musician, you have 30 minutes, you have this one topic, go. And it ignites a certain type of creativity. And I think that being forced into this, you know, uh, distancing, uh, digitally driven box, I think what you're seeing too is you're seeing these very creative things that maybe were there, but I'll bet you that, I don't know if it's half, I've been spurred by the fact that hmm, my box is a little smaller in terms of my creative space, but that actually is making me think about things that I wouldn't have thought of when I had the whole playing field as, yeah. as an option. Yeah, totally. And putting a little bit of pressure as well to actually start creating and thinking and, and thinking outside the box and solutioning your own challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's really interesting is uh, just these conversations like you and I are having. And what I love about this circumstance, which is really weird, is I love how much people are communicating and how open people are to sharing from work and even personal life. People are sharing like, here's how I got my parents set up to do, you know, an exercise class remotely because they were going out and now they can't do that, but they need it. And, and I'm like, and they're saying, well, this is what I did. And, Oh, you know, it's a bit like what moms of new moms do like, Oh, this is what I did. And this is how you find this uh, service and it's happening. So uh, it's, I don't know, maybe it's just the lens because I want to see that kind of stuff. But yeah. I'm very I'm very um, heartened by when I see people helping each other that way. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that there's definitely a common thread happening. There's a lot of really cool little experiments going on and, and people trying to come up with solutions, creative solutions. How has transitioning to work from home and remote teams been for you guys? Well, two things. One is, believe it or not, it's actually brought us closer together. And not just because of the circumstance, but the thing is that, you know, we're, we're dispersed geographically amongst uh, Halifax, New York, and Toronto, uh, which has always been the case. And then you get busy doing stuff. But the thing is, we meet as a team every day now. We yeah. do a Zoom call together every day. And I'm thinking that might actually be something that we carry on uh, with because it really brings us together. You know, we would wait for a town hall like every quarter. And that's, that was useful. but. I don't know. I think that connection is, uh, it's, it's showing that that was, uh, that's important and people I think are, are, uh, enjoying it and even, uh, and finding it helpful uh, on the other side, as far as doing work, I've been, I uh, just really impressed with how people are like, and I can, I'm not sure. I think it's because they can focus cause you don't have anything else that you can do really. <laughs> Once you've watched everything you can watch on, Netflix or Prime or whatever, you're like, what, I read a book, like, and people want to do something. So they're, they're getting at things, you know, we're still collaborating, you know, in an agency world, the marketing services world, you know, a lot of the thinking can be done remotely, but I've seen them actually, even our creative team, look at tools that we have and ways to do things that, you know, we might've done once in a while, but now we're like, well, if you can't go uh, into a studio and shoot product shots, you know, we have a national supplements client. Well, what would you do? You're like, oh, well. so we've looked into some digital tools that replicate that ability and, mm-hmm. you know, and saying, hey, we can actually do this. So I, it's been, it's not perfect, but some things are actually uh, better, but we all, we all miss the connectivity for sure. Like the physical yeah. connection is, uh, is missing, but, and we've also yeah. been using it. We, on Fridays, we all share a drink together. And so that's, that's great. Been good too. 
yeah, there's definitely something to say about being in a in, a, in an office together uh, as a group as well. I, I think this is one of the areas that's probably going to change quite a bit in the future as well. There's so many challenges as well with with large organizations like trying to bridge that culture gap between you know what is the culture of the business and how do you actually make sure that that culture remains strong even though everyone's remote. How do you measure anything if if you're an organization that measures KPIs, things like that? I think there's going to be probably quite a bit of innovation happening on the process and culture side that I think will be permanent changes after this. Yeah, and layer on that the um, the question that, and I know because I've talked to business owners or business leaders around, do we actually need all that office space? You know, yeah. I've talked to three places, three people that are all like, oh, our, our, we're expanding, we need more office space, and they're all now like. Actually, I don't know that we do. I think, and again, it depends on, you know, anytime there's like a big shift, people say, ah, it's changed forever. We're never going back. It's like, well, <laughs> I use it like the ebook thing. Like it didn't replace the, the paper book, but it did certainly change it for sure. But it didn't obliterate it because there was some value in it. And so there are, there's value in having an office. And I think uh, depending on your role, depending on your personality type, depending on how productive you feel you are in different environments. It seems though, again, if I go back to that hybrid, I think there'll probably be a combination. Maybe there's more hoteling where you come into the office a few days a week and then you work from home because it's proven that it can work. And as far as your point about metrics, it comes down to like, are we getting the work done? And if someone says, I can't do it, I'm at home because I, my, my three kids are here and it's just not, I can't have a good environment. You're like, well, then I guess you need to be in the office where another role might be like, no, I'm totally good coming into the office once a week or once every two weeks. I don't know what it's going to be, but the net effect would be we're going to be better at being hybrid, working face-to-face and remotely, and we're probably going to question how much office space we need. Yeah, totally. That's a, a kind of a common thread I'm hearing as well across all of these, a lot of these, these discussions is, you know, reevaluating that footprint and uh, how how much investment it costs to keep that footprint and kind of changing the idea of what an office is into maybe more something, something more collaborative with hoteling stations, things like that. Well, and I think too, we've, uh, you know, as a, as an, as business overall, you know, there've been things like uh, BYOD, bring your own device. Like that was, it used to be that, you know, Hey, we'll buy the device. It's like, no, bring the device and we'll pay for whatever we'll pay for your internet and what have you. Mm-hmm. Like I think about people now doing their office setups at home and it was like the stories are great and the pictures and what they've done and people are going, I don't really have a space that's set up that well. And I think, you know, places that supply that are actually, I think they're doing a good business right now. Um, yeah, probably, yeah. really, as a company, I think we need to think about, if you're going to have that hybrid again, where maybe everyone's not in the office all the time, which is, well, what do we need to do to help people be uh, set up and be efficient? And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like my, so my wife's company, like 80% of their uh, employees, they're all across North America. They work from home. Their head offices in uh, Florida, but their clients are all over Canada and the U S and so their people are spread out all over. So they have a real, process for how to set people up at home like yeah. it's a full-on like when they're my wife laptop goes the crap on her like she has another one the next day like it's all set up they know oh, how to so secure stuff. they have security set up so they when they log into sensitive information because she works in the healthcare space they have that figured out so i'm like that's a like they were ready and i look at them and think well we could learn from them yeah totally that's like you know you're in like the top 10 percent of companies in terms of how prepared you are for <laughs> remote work 
Yeah, yeah. Even companies that say they're they're prepared for remote work aren't that good. That's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I, I know you've got a super busy day, so I won't take any more of your time. But thank you so much for having this conversation. I think there's a ton of really good insights here, and like you said, you know, we're all kind of helping lift up the. Uh, how did you lift the curve? Yeah, yeah exactly. Flatten it. Yeah, I'm so gonna say lift the, lift the curve. Yeah. yeah. I like that better. <laughs>